0: Hey, welcome back to part two of our Your Leo Nation podcast with my brother, Danny. And Danny, go ahead and continue. It's been a lot of fun. I want to hear more. I'm going to bring you back. Actually, I'm going I'm to drug you and force you to come back. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I want to talk about that. And, and that could be a, a whole show itself, but a, about your experience. But I'm going to just touch on it a little bit. So my brother right here, he was actually an All-American football player in college. And he actually played for Jack Elway, John Elway's father, at Cal State North, Northridge, when they still had a, um, uh, a football program. They don't have it anymore. We talk about why they don't have it anymore, but, um, fasting, story, fasting, athletic career, we both had very successful athletic careers in different, different arenas, but we'll talk about that later on. But fast forwarding a little bit to, um, contemporary days and how all this relates and, And you know, how do we, how do we actually save lives as a society? What are the things that we can do? Well, we talked about our mom who used to beat the hell out of us when we got out of line, that type of discipline, that type of attention to detail, it, it, it certainly kept us out of jail and it very well may have kept us out of an early grave, that behavior. Um, we don't see enough of that anymore. And instead of taking responsibility, individuals and groups and advocacy groups are, are blaming other entities, primarily cops and, and, and government, about you know, why so many people of a certain race are dying. But, I, I, you know, just, just recently we got through Memorial Day weekend. And as an example, I think in, in Chicago, in Chicago, there were about 40 people shot. I think 10 died. Three people were shot, Danny. Three people were shot in one place standing on a sidewalk, a drive-by shooting. Three people were shot. Another dead body was found. I don't know what the cause of death was. That was, that was found two blocks from the new mayor's house. Another dead body in Chicago over Memorial Day weekend. Now, these are real lives. Almost all of them in Chicago and most of the other you know, large metropolitan areas, urban areas, are young black men who are dead. They're not coming back from Jack in the box. They're not coming back from running that stop sign. They're not coming back to their, their, their mom and or dad. They're dead forever. And they're almost all killed by other young black men. It's a horrible reality. And as two black men. It's not fun to say this, but the point is, is how do we, how do we reduce this horrible evil where that black people are killing black people at a rate that is absolutely literally sinful and disgusting it um it goes back to self policing by taking care of yourself first taking care of your kids first i say taking care of in other words keeping yourself keeping your kids in line and here i am 60 years old actually next week i'll be 60 years old and you know i have a 9 year old son and yeah we don't we don't beat him <laughs> like, like mom does but you know my wife and I similar to to our mom Danny that we we uh, we serve up immediate consequences for disobedience now again are, are they terribly harsh or whatever but he loses something he loses. He loses the ability to watch this. He loses the ability to do that. He he loses the ability to go there. He loses freedom. He loses something. There is some type of punishment dished out when he doesn't follow the rules. And I must say, I'm very happy that even at nine years old, he's starting to get it. He understands and he understands why we do it. And we tell him why we do it. But you, you touched on a really good point earlier about, you know, our parents Being part of the greatest generation, having perspective and understanding what's really important. Are the external forces important or is your own behavior important? Which one's more important? Both are important. So, you know, I look at that and and I think about these district attorneys across the state, across the country, that are, are working so hard to keep criminals on the street and they're keeping criminals. On the streets in their own communities, in other words, when you release a criminal in downtown Los Angeles, it's not going to have an effect on anybody in Brentwood. It's not going to have an effect on most people in Chino Hills where you live. It's not going to have an effect on people living in in, in the wine country up in Northern California. It's going to have an effect on the the community from which they came. And it's sad. And it's sad that people don't have enough courage to stand up and say, look, let's all admit what the problem is. It's about people following the rules. So now I'm getting on a soapbox here, but again, have a more perspective than I do because you did you were in law enforcement for a few years and you were an LA City firefighter for 31? 30, 30 years thirty years thirty years LA City fire and a paramedic for the last right. what almost thirty years too almost thirty right. years yeah so you know what what you know what's your take on that about Danny about where you and I came from where our generation came from where we're going
1: you know Mark once again it's a good question because. It's, uh, I guess you can say it's kind of a, a perplexing question because, I, you know, I, I really don't want to, once again, I'm trying not to get into a political talk here, but, and I'm, and I'm trying to, you know, say this, you know, um, in the right way, but to me, liberal way of thinking um, is. an an issue because I think that a liberal way of thinking is like if we just don't do anything or if we pat them on the head enough times they'll eventually come around and they will um, obey and to me that's uh, you know and what I'm trying to say is when when I when I came up even when I think even when you came up but I know when I came up in elementary school, for instance, now I went to uh, elementary school where we had black teachers and we had white teachers, but we had a lot of black teachers. And one thing that they used in the classroom, they, they used. corporal punishment. Mm-hmm. I had my second grade teacher and I, I don't know if I can use names on here or not, but um, I'll never forget her. Actually, I think that she was doing the war. She was in the military. Um she was I think she was a sergeant and I think that's what mom told me uh, mm-hmm. th- 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 I don't know where I got that from but e- either way if she wasn't she should have
0: been hey by okay. the way I think the statute of limitations is over uh it was it Mrs. Green
1: no it was uh, Effie Carey
0: Effie Carey I remember yeah, Miss, yeah I remember R- R- Mrs. Green had
1: her issues too <laughs> yeah. okay gets yeah. and the reason why Mark I know all these names was because <laughs> I was their nemesis I encountered them and I just I tested them all the time mm-hmm. and um now Effie Carey in the second grade she ran a high achieving classroom how I got in there with the brain with brain cells of, of, a, of a cantaloupe I have no idea but somehow I only because I could read I could write and I can spell very well and so I wound up in this class and um, I remember that now I'm not advocating or I'm not supporting or saying that this was the right way to I mean she was a in my opinion she was a very sadistic evil teacher but the one thing that she made you do was to pay attention and to achieve because in order to avoid the beatings that she gave you (laughs) and she gave you beatings and I was like one of her main targets because I always challenged her and um, um, so but in order to to avoid that you had to come to class prepared. I mean, that was one of the rare times in my life through all high school and college and getting my degree and everything else that I actually really paid attention. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but because she was just so, um, she was just so um, sadistic in how she taught. Um, but, I, I'm bringing that up it was because we had corporal punishment, and we had corporal punishment probably all the way up until I was probably in the seventh grade. And then I remember going out to the Westchester area. I can't really remember those teachers swatting us, but in LA, they in in in, in that black community,
0: mm-hmm. those teachers beat the hell out of us. Right. There's a reason I know that to be true.
1: Right, absolutely. <clears throat> And but like I said, it was one of those things where, for I think for the vast majority of us, we took that and we used that to make us better adults because we didn't like that form of punishment. So in, in order to avoid that, we followed the rules, mm-hmm. and that's what we did. And um, and so um, now for me, it kind of wore off, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you know, and I, I want the world to know that. No, I no, I wasn't John Dillinger, but you know, I was I was this right-hand man. But anyway, you know, but you know, so um, you know, but I think as we transition from generation to generation, all that discipline starts to level off. Mm-hmm. Parents be try to become more friends. Uh, parents were trying and people were trying, to maybe maybe they were trying to get the American dream. They wanted more than the Joneses next door. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, discipline didn't, and now moms and dads are both working. And all of a sudden, and it's probably, especially in the black communities, because maybe they didn't have as much as a white community, I guess. I think that they start backing off more and more and more and more uh, because it, it was like, we don't have time to discipline and, and maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I haven't done these studies. And so I'm just speculating on what could be an issue.
0: Yeah. But you know what, and I'll let you continue, but it's speculation based on a lifetime of observation. Right, it's exactly. not just speculation. Right. It's informed. So go ahead. And
1: But you know, um, like, like I said, you know, and I, as, as I grew in, and before I left LA, I saw a lot of this stuff happening with the families, the families were breaking down and the kids were, I mean, cause I, I had some, and you knew some of the friends that were very undisciplined mm-hmm. and that were getting in trouble, but there was, but the parents didn't do anything when they got in trouble, the parents didn't stop it. They didn't say, okay, enough. They kind of said, okay, don't do it again. And I saw that as I got older and older and older, people just start saying, "Don't do it again." And then they then they start trying different ways of, of, of well, maybe if we if we do this, it's it's like it's like George uh, Gascon in L.A. His weird way of of uh, policing or, or solving or or, or 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 crime and punishment. Well, maybe we we just do this, and we and we don't hurt their feelings and we let them off of this, they won't do it again. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the worst things that, one of the worst things for a a black person is that, now I know that you and I and our siblings, we've never succumbed to this. And I know a lot of black people that never succumbed to this, but one of the worst things that has ever happened for black people is that they've enabled us. And they've, they've gone to black people and told them, you can't do it because of something that happened a thousand years of slavery for instance mm-hmm. you can't get it done you need our help and even black leaders tell them that and everything that that you point to spit and it's gotten worse nowadays everything is has something to do with racism and it's like well of course no one's going to a, a, Achieve if you can't keep telling them that they can't achieve. If you just tell them, get up and get it done. It's, it's, when I was in the fire department, I worked in recruiting. Now, of course, I was black, and so I, and I did it just for a couple of months, and I was just trying it out to you know see how it was. And so they would send me to a lot of times they send me to the, 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 black areas to recruit. Well, you know, these kids come up to me and they go, Hey, I want to be a fireman. Great. Okay. And I would talk to them and we, you know, we had some real, um, um, uh, the, the minimal qualifications, gotta have a driver's license, gotta have a high school diploma GED. Um, you know, even a criminal record wasn't any more deterrent. Uh, but th- th- there's a, and a lot of times these kids come up to me, they're 25, 26 years old. And I would explain to them about the job. And I would tell them, oh, you got to work a 24-hour shift. They go, 24 hours? Yeah, we come in. And it just blew their mind. I don't want to work 24 hours. I just want to work. Can I work eight hours? No, this is how we work. And I would show them the starting pay and stuff. And they go, that's all you get? And I'm thinking... Well, that's what the starting pay is. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Well, I'm just, I'm just at home right now. I'm just, you know, I I'm, I'm playing ball. I'm, you know, you're playing ball for what reason? Are you trying to get in the NBA or something? Or no, I'm just working out. What do you work? No, my, you know, my grandmother takes care of me. And and I'm listening to all this stuff, and I'm thinking somebody just hasn't hammered down on this person. You know, and I remember going back to a recruiting office, and, and the recruiting office would tell me, "Don't worry about it. Just, just sign them up, and don't worry." Well, well, well why do it that way? Right. We're, we're, we're raising their hopes for absolutely nothing. We should, we should tell. Now, I would tell them what to do. I said, oh, no! You, you got to do this. You got to do this." And they, and, and, and recruiting, and these were black captains that would tell me, Danny, don't do that. That is not your job." Don't do, sign them up. we need numbers. And to me, that was just so wrong mm-hmm. and, and I think that's you know and 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 maybe I'm not you know painting a clear picture, but I used to always think that that was so wrong that when I first started putting on in the fire department back in nineteen eighty, now, I used to have black friends tell me, oh, you'll never get hired because they only hire white guys. I'm going well. I I, I mean I, I see black guys out there in the fire department working. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would go to these fire stations and talk to the white guys. I figure, well, we're in Rome, do what the Romans do. Okay, you know, makes too much sense. Right, find out, find out. Hey, so what did you do to get in the fire department? What qualifications do you have? Did you go to school for it? Blah, blah, blah. And I would just go and talk. I would go to all these fire. Now, sometimes you go to these fire stations, all, all white guys. Some of them didn't want to talk to you. I got it. It didn't bother me. But most of them, most of them were, were very happy to talk to you. And so I would just take down all these notes and just do what they told me to do. If that, if, if that's what got you hired, I'm going to follow that same pattern. That same formula, so when I go in front of the interview board, I've done what you've done, so it's going to be hard for them to say no to me. And that's what I did. I just did what they did in Rome and went to school. I mean, Obviously, I had my college degree, but I went to fire science, EMT. I did all that. I did, did ride-alongs. I got hired. And I'm thinking, guys, it, it wasn't that hard, but to sit there and to Blame and say, Oh, well, this isn't going to happen because a racism. You, you just, you've got to, you've got to inside of yourself, you've got to have more heart and more courage to overcome that. When I went to Cal State Northridge, I remember getting recruited there, and I had these black guys come up to me. They go, Hey, this coach here, he doesn't play black guys. Now I'm thinking to myself, now I saw the, the the game footage. I saw black guys out there playing. And I'm going, well, if he doesn't play black guys, how come they're playing? How come he's recruiting me? I wasn't any anything any special. Why is he recruiting me? Well, like you said, Mark, I wanted to be in a two-time All-American. Now, my attitude was, I want to accept this scholarship because I want to get a college degree. Now, maybe from here I can play in the NFL or whatever, but I want to get a college degree and I also want to play. So I want to find out what that coach likes and I'm going to be better than everybody out here and he's going to play me. And that's what happened. I just found out what does he like? What doesn't he like? And that's what I did. You know, I, when I went to, I remember on the fire department, I went to a station, fire station 26. You know, they call fire station 26 a fire Nazi house because all the guys love, you know, it's, it's all white guys and stuff. And I went there and they go, oh, man, you're working for Chris Quai. Man, that, that guy's a mean captain. I said, oh, okay, whatever. Let me find out what he likes and what he doesn't like. I'll do what he likes and I won't do what he dislikes. I'll know my job, like the back of my hand. So any question he asks, anything that we do, any incident we go on, I'm going to be high and tight. Guess what? I wanted to work in there for seven years. And him and I got along great just because I didn't listen to what everybody else is saying. And that's the problem with today's society is that you got these small, it's not the majority of the people out there. 99% of the people out here, we all get along. We don't right. even care about crap. We just get, a, we, we, we're just trying to live, but you've got a small squeaky wheel out there that's begging for that grease. And they're trying to agitate everybody else and saying, Hey, listen, oh yeah, this is racist. This is that you can't do this. And it's like, but unfortunately weaker people fall for that. And it's, and I'm, I know I kind of went off on a tangent here, but it's, it's like, I wish I had the answer. My only answer is that it, it starts. It starts right there in the household. It starts right there when you have that child raising that child to be successful, to follow the rules, to to do what they do. It, if if I wanted to be a billionaire, I would go and do what a billionaire does. And but I think that too, people are. I think people nowadays are too afraid to to confront the elf in the room. When you see law enforcement the interaction and and then it's just like it's it's like up in Frisco, uh, the security guard killed this this yeah. this one gal. She was, you know now it, it's sad that she was killed because she was shoplifting. And to, and to be killed over a shoplifting incident is kind of but it didn't start from the security guard. That guy is is an $8 an hour security guard. All he wants to do is get paid and go home. I don't think he's looking to get in any fights. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, he gets scared when they start fighting and then bad things happen. But you got to look at the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room was this whole thing went bad when she started shoplifting. Mm -hmm. Now, you can agree with me or disagree with me, but that's where this firecracker got lit was when she walked in there with the intent, I'm taking stuff out of here and no one's going to stop me. And that's what it was. And on all these traffic stops that go bad, they go bad because someone was doing wrong before the police encounter. And that's what happened. And now, you know, and now, now you're asking law enforcement not to, to be perfect and there's no such thing as perfection we all strive to get there but there's no such thing and you ask them under these extreme conditions that all these other people have never been under they want you to think perfection and it's like you you've never even experienced this before but yet you want these officers oh well yeah they're trained yeah they're trained to a certain extent but they're still human beings Mm -hmm. but nobody wants to say hey listen it's like mom and dad used to tell us when we, when we went out, obey, follow the rules. Mm-hmm. When we drove our cars, daddy made sure those cars were fully registered, mm-hmm. insurance. Mechanically, mechanically, mechanically in everything. We had our driver's <clears throat> license. Nothing was expired. We didn't have any warrants off for arrest, nothing. We were perfect. Now, when the cops pulled us over, we just obeyed. Yeah, you're okay, give me the ticket whatever, and we just move on with our life. Mm-hmm. And like I said, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I started driving in when I was 16 years old. So I had just 16 and a half. So I want to say early 19, January 1972, I think is when I got my driver's license. I was 16 and a half years old because I was eligible mm-hmm. to really get it. Now, so from 72 to 2023, and like I said before earlier in, in, in the program, I just got pulled over a few weeks ago for blowing a, a stop sign. So on a, on a conservative level, and, and, and maybe I, I'm, I'm probably right at that point, probably 50 traffic stops on me. Now I'm not patting myself on the back. Okay, <laughs> damn, damn overachiever. You, my my yeah, you're, you're right. You are, you suck at driving. Okay, I'm just I, I'm just I, I I I'm sorry. I just got a heavy foot. Okay, and um, but zero zero negative incident. Nothing nothing ended up in an arrest. There's no fighting. There's no lawsuits. There's no shooting. There's no nothing other than sign here. Okay, sign here, whatever. And, and then I had the option to go into court or traffic school or whatever. And that's and and I'm I've I've gotten stopped in L.A. in Orange County. I've gotten stopped back east. You name it. So people can't say, well, you know, you you know, you, you get stopped in this area. No, no. I've been stopped on the moon, okay. So, I'm, if 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 there's a if there's a black and white somewhere, it's found me, okay. I'm I'm, I'm easy to find i the, the the big blur going. Oh, that's Danny. We heard about you, okay. And so, like the Blues I, you know, Brothers, yeah, the Blues Brothers, yeah, yeah. you know. And I don't I don't mean to get long winded here. It's just that you know, for me, I just I just see all these things, and it just it just sickens me because I don't like the way I don't like the way that. And and people say, well, yeah, you're biased because you were in law enforcement, you're in fire department. You know, yeah, I I get all that. But the bottom line is 99% or maybe even a higher percentage of those guys are all, they're all good men and women. Mm -hmm. They're doing it because they're taking care of their family. They're doing it because they, they, they they, they want to help their community out. These people don't wake up in the morning looking to get in anything. I bet you if you you ran the stats, I've never run the stats, so I'm not a statistician. I'm not a smart guy on this. But if you ran the stats, I guarantee you that out of all the officers across this nation, a handful have discharged their weapons on duty. Correct. Okay. Correct. And so because they don't want to discharge their weapons. I was very happy keeping my, my gun in my holster because for me, pulling my and let me go back, and, and, and I apologize for being long winded here. No, this is this is great stuff. When I was when I was a now remember I was a police officer in two different cities, and um, I don't know if I should name them. I, I you know I was I was in Beverly Hills, and mm-hmm. I was in in Long Beach. Now, when I was in Beverly Hills, we did a study and actually it was just training for us we went down in the basement and we and we had two officers and what we were doing we were doing traffic stop simulations
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and we were all suited up and stuff and so one one you know two guys or one officer would play the traffic officer somebody would play a bad guy and so the officer would come out and make this traffic stop. We were, we were in the basement, so we, we simulated everything, of course. And um, and we were all we all had padding on because we were using guns with rubber pellets in them. And so the simulation was to be able to react to somebody that faked having a gun, had a gun, or whatever. They, they, they would make a certain movement, and, and they, they want to see how you would react to it. And. Every time I went to this simulation where I had to actually draw my revolver, and at one time I actually had my revolver out because the guy had his hands in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And, so, and and the, the the scenario was the guy was a, it came back with, with a felony warrant on on this vehicle, and so the guy comes out, and so I have my I, now he, I'm, I'm ordering him to take his hands out, out of this so I can see his hands, and he's not showing his hands, so I pull my gun out, and I, I mean I'm I mean we're seven feet apart maybe. I have my gun out and I'm, I need to see your hands. I need to see, now I'm ta- I'm giving him so many orders and I'm so focused on giving him orders. I wanna see your hands, I wanna see your hands. I'm not even thinking about him actually removing his hands. Right. So guess what he does? He pulls his gun out, bam, 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 he hits me. Now, now of course, now now he pulls his gun out and I'm so in tuned in giving him orders about showing his hands. All he's thinking about is getting that gun out and pulling that trigger. Well, we exchanged rounds. I was hit three or four times. Two were probably fatal. Got me once in the thigh, once in the elbow. Two were center mass in, in upper and lower chest. I shot. I emptied my revolver six times, and I think I hit him once in the knee. Because once he's pulling, now it's, it's all panic shooting now. Mm-hmm. And but he came out more. Because he knew what he was going to do.
0: I mean, he knew
1: he had a plan. He had a plan, right? He had a plan, and he knew what he wanted. And he just caught me in that. Let me see your. This is a good time to come out, and mm-hmm. he, so my and, and and so this is what law enforcement officers officers go through all the time, and so you know. It, 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 and, and I, you know, once again, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here because I mean, there's so much going through my mind now that we, we're talking about this. And like I said before, and people will say, "Well, Danny, once again, you're biased. You know, you're ex-law enforcement." But these guys are your next-door neighbors, mm-hmm. and 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 I, they're just like I said, they're your friends. Now, I, I know that, you know, we got some celebrities that will, you know, and we got the view that will say otherwise, you know, the, you know, the the view masters there on on, on TV that, you know, the, the wasted, the wasted people and stuff. They'll tell you differently. But, you know, um, if you, if you can just address that elephant in the room, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things, and I'm not saying that law enforcement should not keep training. Of course. Training is always necessary you got to train you got to train as though your life depends on it because it does mm-hmm. and that's how they've got to do it and um but as a black man i want to leave your house and and the last thing on my mind is a black and white pulling up behind me and pulling over and shooting me that's not even all that doesn't it, you know
0: it's not a concern you know danny it, it you said something a minute ago and <clears throat> we'll go ahead and wind things down because there's This has just been great. You said that some people will say, well, you're biased because you were in law enforcement and you were L.A. City firefighter and so forth and so on. But a a ton of your perspective, a ton of the foundation for your opinion comes from way before you were law enforcement. Right, Right. This is the thing people have to remember that we did grow up in southeast Los Angeles, that we did live in in racially diverse communities, um, you know, eventually things like this, that you long before you were law enforcement, you had these encounters with law enforcement and you came away on your own two feet under your power with what, without any injuries because of the way that you complied and that you uh, dealt with law enforcement. It's a, it's, it's an incredibly important perspective that you bring and, You know, I'm just, I really am honored to have you on and I'm grateful to have you on and I'm grateful for the mentorship, uh, that you provided me over the years, you know, being seven and a half years apart, you know, we really didn't catch up or I didn't catch up. You know, we kind of weren't in the same realm of thinking until damn, probably until I was almost 20 years old or less in my late teens, because we were in such different places in our lives. Seven and a half years is a big gap when you're, when you're five years old, when you're 10 years old, but You know, as I watched you and often you told me, hey, Mark, look, here's my advice. I've already done what you're getting ready to do. I've already been where you want to go. So you can do it your way or let me give you some advice. You can make your own decision, but listen carefully. And like you talk about mom and dad, you know, sometimes when you're younger, those things don't sink in and talk to the fact. And I say, you know what? Danny was right about this. And you're definitely right about what you're talking about now, Danny, about circumstances are important. The environment's important, but nothing is as determinative of your fate as your own behavior, your own decisions. There's no perfect answer in life. There's no 100% fix all. But if you want to roll the dice and you want to blame your environment, guess what? If you blame your environment, if you blame your circumstances, and you defer to what the circumstances are, You will be right 100% of the time. Absolutely. You're right. Absolutely. You're right. Right. Say, well, here's what happened. It's not my fault because X, Y, Z. But if you want to be successful in life, then you have to take that less traveled road, that narrow path. Do the hard stuff, especially early in your life. The harder you work, the more disciplined you are in your formative years. Guess what? the, the easier life gets later Absolutely, on, right. but you have to do the hard stuff and nothing's more important than that environment, by the way, uh, than, than good, strong parents and a good, strong, you know, family circle to keep you in line. So Danny, I, I want to thank you again. Uh, my big brother, I love you very much. Thank and you I very much. Can't, can't thank you enough. And, and we're definitely going to have you back right. and, and talk about maybe some more, uh, some lighter stuff, and have some fun, especially about athletics, uh, another mentor in my life, another aspect of my life where he mentored me. So with that, uh,
1: I had a great time. I appreciate you inviting me out here. And, uh, now, you know, that, uh, the world 600 is getting ready to come out. <laughs> exactly. so,
0: so, 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 yeah, so, okay. So I, so, so I see we're getting, re- so we're getting one right, you know, right now. So you know, the, you know, Danny and I grew up, Danny and I grew up going to what most people will consider like the whitest sport in the world, NASCAR racing, back in the 1970s, in Riverside, in of, riverside all of all places. And how many problems did we have, Danny? Oh, uh, zero. zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean it doesn't mean there were some haters. It doesn't mean there weren't any haters out right. there, but we never experienced any problems. And a lot of that comes back to us actually as being responsible kids and doing the right thing. Right, and by the way, and let certain crap roll off our backs. Absolutely. We heard things. We were called names. That's not the point. The point is, you know what? You let those idiots go and you go out and enjoy yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, folks, with that, you know, as always, please click on our, our website there. You'll see the Leo Project. Actually, we're starting to get some uh, we're starting to get some donations through this podcast uh, through the the Leo Project. We're doing our best to help the families of fallen injured law enforcement officers. So click on the button. Send some money, 500 bucks, five bucks, 50, I don't care what it is. Click on the button. We talk about taking action, doing the right thing. If you believe in what we're doing, then help us out to help other people. So with that said, God bless you. Thanks, Danny. We'll Thank be talking you very again. Much. Thank hey, you. Vince, Anthony, back to the background, clicking the buttons for us. You're not good looking guys, but you sure do a damn good job on this show. So thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, guys. God bless you.